test playing cards. I, I have a real aversion to, in my house, my kids will tell you that, you know, they played any game they wanted to play, I didn't care, but not if it had cards. It didn't matter if it was go fish, you know what I mean? It could be go fish or it could be Texas Hold'em, you know what I mean? I didn't really care. To me, to me, the idea of the playing cards just, just disgusted me. I know where it came from. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it was. My, um, I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, until I came to New York, I never met a, show, a, a religious Holocaust survivor. I, ne I never met any. There were a lot of Holocaust survivors in New Haven, from Polish background mostly, and oh, many of them. And my grandfather, my grandmother, they opened up their house because the world was different in those days. You know, like today, you just have to cross the border and they give you like a, a credit card or they give you tickets to basketball games, whatever. In those days, it wasn't like that. You had to sign, you had to have somebody sign a document that you were able to live by, that they were, you know, financially going to take care of you and that you could live by their home. My grandparents had a house. They were American, they had a house. So if you had a house, you had, you know, viability. So they brought in a lot of, a lot of what we used to call Greena, the Greenhorns, which was the uh, Holocaust survivors. And on Shabbos, they used to play cards. And to me, when I would see them playing cards all Saturday long, and they didn't, they had a broken English, you know, with the accent, the very broken English, and they had, I mean, I didn't realize that they had gone through hell, and now they were working as tailors or whatever, so I should have had respect for them, but I was a stupid kid, you know, and so you're looking at them, they can barely speak English, and they're playing, you know, poker or whatever they're playing. So to me, that stayed in my brain as being like a low-end type of personality, which maybe it was also, but, I, but it was, that's what it was. So therefore, it made it to me, as they say in Hebrew, nimasli, you know, it was just like, ugh, you know, just couldn't handle it. It's like when I hear the word mahjong, you know. <laughs> Like, you ever played Marjan? No, I won't, play any not cards. I won't play any of these games. But Marjan's not cards. It's not cards, I know. But I'm just saying, the, when I think Mahjong, I think of a bunch of 65 and older ladies <laughs> sitting around smoking can, uh, Kent cigarettes, you know, and screaming at each other with hoarse voices, give me the $5, whatever. <laughs> you know? At least you understand what yeah, I'm it's talking. It's like uh, you know, dominoes for Dominicans, bocce ball for Italians. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I couldn't handle that anyway. So I yeah. want you to know. Now they're going to talk positive. I didn't go yesterday because I uh, had a wedding that I had to perform here. I had to be here, but I have to tell you, I thought it was such a big kiddush Hashem. It was beautiful. I listened to almost all the speeches. I didn't hear all the speeches. I'm going to listen to them again. There were a few that really touched me. There were 2.9 million, uh, 290,000 Jews there. Uh, not Jews, no. people. Not necessarily Jews, but 290,000 people together. 
That's a massive number. That could be, but the number I saw too, well, although CNN and others said that there were tens of thousands of Jews. I think that was just because the, the pro-Palestinian rally had tens, tens of so thousands. I yeah. there was there were a few that really got me going. And how they know? They they have a way of statistically yeah, looking at an area. Uh, they know what they, I don't know. They do they make they know what they want when they want. A lot of Jews were there. There were a lot of, were people, a lot of people. A lot of people. The emissaries, the emissaries that I heard. I don't know this. The there was the th the woman, who had a child a son. There were three speakers who had children who were captives. How many, did anybody go from here? Did anybody go? So we don't have to feel guilty. Everybody <laughs> went, whoever's listening, every last person from Hashivenu was there. It was unbelievable. We had 10 buses and they were standing on the buses because there was just no room anyway. Um, the, the third, the, there were three speakers who had children who were captive. And one, the third one, I mean, she spoke. I, I just started bawling. She was just unbelievable. She said a story. She said that they had, there was a German, uh, a German, not a Holocaust survivor, a German who saved Jews during the Holocaust. And they asked him. Well, and like, like you put your whole life on the line. Why did you do it? And he said, very simply, he said, when I die and I meet God and God says, what did you do about it? I want to be able to have an answer that I did something. And then she looked at everybody and she screamed. It was really, it was, she screamed and she said, and what are you going to say? What are you going to say? And that was, that's how she stopped. It was like, you know, like, you got a point, lady. It was, I thought it was just marvelous. My son, he had a very interesting point. If you, you and I, I think that that's, it's a very important thing to hear. And then we're going to go straight into an amazing story here. Um, there was a complaint that some people had that there were no rabbis who were speaking. There were no rabbis speaking. It is true that Ishai Rebo did say to him, the he singer, also. huh? He said, "Yes, he, I'm saying he did. He, but he, but he officially said to him first. 200,000 people, 200, 300, whatever the number is, it's an amazing thing. It didn't bother me, really, that there were no rabbis there, because the way I was looking at it was that they were all, all these people were there for one good reason. It was a Kiddush Hashem to be together. So I spoke to my friend, Mitch Ader, who's the president of the OU, and he explained to me why there were no rabbis there. The Federation paid $10 million. They paid $10 million for security, for permits, for construction of all the podiums and whatever it was. They paid $10 million. 
So they had the primary say, but there were other organizations, but they realized that if there would be a rabbi speaking, right, so then you'd have to have a reform rabbi, and you'd have to have a conservative rabbi, a trans rabbi. We would not want to have anything without a trans rabbi. I think that she would be a good, it would be a good choice. Um, and, and therefore, the way to get around not having, I, I, I was going to say having a dog rabbi, but I don't want to say that because, because then somebody will think I'm an anti-Semite, I'm calling rabbis dogs. Uh, without having, you know, all this type of stuff is not to have any rabbi, and that's why they didn't do it at the end of the day. I thought that it was very interesting. What? They did it all in a week. I, it was very impressive. But my son, Yossi, said a point which I think is really commendable in thought. When, when somebody was complaining that they weren't saying to Hillen, my son said, everybody there, in essence, was saying to Hillen. Their neshamas were saying to Hillen. They were there for one reason. Nobody dra- traveled for five hours there and ten hours back no, and, and whichever way you want to do it, nobody traveled that far for the schus of wanting to use a porta potty in the middle of the street. That's not why anybody did it. I know what porta potties are because of New Hampshire when I travel. That's in the woods and with people who are nature oriented and clean. Having this in the middle of the city, I can't even imagine. Nobody, nobody went down there for that reason. Everybody went for one reason. One reason, you know. Okay, so now, I, I think it's beautiful. I'm going to listen to the speeches again. Some of them were really powerful. What? People may have done like him on the buses there. And on the yeah, I'm sure that they did. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. That's the point. You got to speak positive about Jewish people. We gotta speak positive. We're gonna speak about Yitzchak, who was very, very positive. You know, we'll do that first. This week's parsha has a lot to do with Yitzchak. And Yitzchak is very different than Avraham. It's very interesting. They're two different. Did I ever? Did I ever explain the relationship, the concept of the two relationships according to the Reb Sadakakoyim? Never did. So we'll do it quickly. It's really very fascinating. And it will lead right into a Gemara in, Shab- in Shabbos, which I'm going to pass out to everybody. <clears throat> Avram Avinu has one relationship with God. Yitzchak, his son, has a totally different relationship. Avram's relationship is the relationship of a husband and wife. Right? Because he found God, just like everybody here who's not married will find their wives, and everybody who is married has found their wife. But what's really weird about a a husband-wife relationship is that it could be severed. If you do enough bad things, you could break it up. There's ways to do that. If I say something here, can you... He's sleeping. Do you know how to put it on pause for a minute? Yeah, just for one minute. This is I like. I knew a guy. I, 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 it wasn't a guy. It's like the relationship with Avraham. So Abraham is the relationship of a husband and a wife. And if you buy 
you're, I don't say fine. If you treat your wife nicely, you're there for her, you help her out. I'm not so good at gifts, so I don't want to throw the word buy gifts for her, because I'm really not good at gifts, but I'll say it. Buy gifts for her, be sweet to her, don't insult her mother. Anymore. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So then the relationship grows. That's like Avram and Akadosh Baruch And God forbid, if you go the other highway, how fat you are. You know, and she says to you, how do I look in this dress? And you say, and she brought it home. We're not talking about in the store. Maybe in the store you can get away with it. I don't even think you can. But, you know, but at the house, oh, hideous. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. How you, when she says to you, I'm just feeling not so pretty today, are you going to say yes? You know, I was going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to you. I, I remember, you know, I remember. And then, or when, you know, like let's say in 20 years from now, you know, when you get married, when you're 20 and she's 30 and she's 50 or whatever and she says I'm just I, 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 I look so old nah old are you kidding me you look younger today <laughs> right that's what you're going to say right that's what you're going to say you're not going to say I didn't want to say anything but I did buy some you know a new uh, what's it called to the gym I just bought because I was getting concerned about the wrinkles no no you don't do that that's the relationship of Abraham with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yitzchak is different. Yitzchak has the relationship of a father and a son. <laughs> you could be the nastiest kid on this planet. You can't divorce your parents. And your parents can't divorce you. They could, you know, you could have, uh, what, what do you call them? orders of protection against each other. Right? You're, you you know about orders of protection, you could you could I think right you like you could, I mean there there are things that you you could disown your parents your parents could disown you they could put you up for adoption orders of protection orders 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 of protection but you can't but it, but your parents but your but parents. your parents are your parents no matter how you cut it your parents are your parents the Gemara says and this is okay to leave in even though it sounds weird. But it is one thousand percent true. The Gemara says that when you're married, there are four people. There are in the bed. There's you, your wife, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your mother, and your father. They're all in the bed together. And the bottom line is, it's true. It's true. It, the whole thing. You cannot separate one hundred percent. Nor should you. Now, when you're younger. I shouldn't say no, should you? Maybe you should. But when, when you're younger, you think that family doesn't count. And you think you're independent until you need a kidney. And then you find out you're not that independent because it's your parents and your brothers and your sisters. And so that's the relationship of Yitzchak. Yitzchak's relationship is that no matter what the Jew does, it doesn't matter. You were born Jewish and you're dying Jewish. And it doesn't matter if you ate pig on Yom Kippur, while, I don't want to talk about what you could do that's bad, but you know what I mean? Whatever you did, it doesn't matter. Avraham is based on what you do. 
Avram is what is is the relationship based on what you do. Yitzchak is based on who you are. That this doesn't matter. There's an element of being Jewish that can never, ever, ever be severed. That's why, think about it for a moment. You have a person who is a Russia. Evil. Mamish, the worst Jew, right? The worst Jew imaginable. That Jew has a child. She becomes from. Jesus has a daughter. What do you think? She's <laughs> probably go, Jewish, though. Huh? No, she is Jewish. No, that's the point. No, the, the point is, Jesus' daughter, Jesus was bad, right? Yes. But it doesn't matter. He's Jewish. Therefore, the kid is Jewish. I'm just, I'm, no, I'm, 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 no, I'm, I'm just making the, I, I wasn't really, Jesus isn't alive. He's not alive. If he had a baby kid that would be 2,000 years old, you're not marrying a girl. I know you don't mind older women, but 2,000 years old is a little, is a, you know, a little much for anybody. So, I think. <laughs> I didn't insult you, did I? No. I'm not 2,000 years old. So that's the relationship of Yitzchak. It's a totally different relationship. Where do we see that? He had, he had a bris. He was born that way. He could. That, that's just the phenomenon. That's just the. That's the two relationships in every Jewish person's life. There is striving to be a better Jew. That's the Avram part of you, and then there's the part of you that is there. That is. That is there. You were born Jewish. You have a circumcision without your knowledge. Forget about people who know what they're doing and are doing it. Those are very special people that we won't talk about. But those people who are very special and they know what they're doing, that's a different, that's a, Lubavitcher Rebbe once said that nobody can be beyond, can do more than they were expected to do, right? God created you with expectation that you could do something. The only one who can go beyond that is a convert because you were born to be not Jewish, so to speak, but yet you went beyond that. And of course you could say that the Nisham was different, but but Alpipashtus, that's what it is. So these are two different parts of us, and that's why no matter what a Jew does, you can always do tshuva. No matter what a Jew does, that Jew is still part of the Jewish religion. And not only that, that's why sometimes you'll find a Jew who did every bad thing or wasn't involved at all in Judaism, and all of a sudden does some kind of super superhuman activity, super religious action. How do they, how do, they, how do you have all these non-religious, very secular Jews who are willing to die for the, for the Jewish people? Where's that coming from? They're not connected. I, I, I'm talking about people who are, you know, who are very, very, very secular, who have no connection whatsoever. Well, my wife is actually having like a, Event soon at her job, and this is actually one of the Hatzalah guys that, like over in Israel, he's like completely secular, like tattoos, piercings, and totally. Literally, he said the day after, you know, he was like one of the first people on October seventh to like you know do rescue. He said after that day, he started putting his filling on, like he just felt the desire. That's it. It's just there. It is there in every Jewish person, and that's why we have to always be careful because the, they call it. 
in Yiddish language, in culture, Yiddish culture is called the Pintalayid, which means like the little the speck of the, the little point of the Jew. That's that's what that's <clears throat> talking about. That you have this neshama that every Jew has it. No matter it's it's um it's unbreakable. <clears throat> so that when you see a Jewish person and they're doing everything wrong in the world, and let's say they're doing it on purpose, you know, they're doing it. But they're still Jewish. They have the Yitzchak factor. And therefore the Gemara tells it. By the way, and what's interesting about Yitzchak, if you look in this week's Parsha, he does something, which again, I'm telling you, first of all, my parents are Bali Chuva, So I don't have, my, my, um, my customs and minhagim are a little bit off because of that. Because I, my, my father and mother created their own customs in essence, you know. And I adapted it, and my kids are trying to straighten it all out. But um, in this week's Parsha, it's a, it's a Parsha by Yitzchak. And what does he do? If you look at the Parsha, Yitzchak, not much written about him. He, he does what Avram did, and then gets out the brothel. That's what he does. He does what his father did, and he just fixes more. But he follows his father's path. The father dug wells. I always wonder, what the heck is with these wells? They need water. Yeah, that's that's nice, and that's true. But they always dig in wells. They always need water. So I heard from somebody this week that it was telling us that he lived his life doing what his father did and trying to go further, but in the exact pathway of his father. And I got to tell you something. It is very hard. It's very hard. Keep it of aim, which is one of the things we're going to do, talk about if we have time. We'll have, we'll have time for this tomorrow. Keep it of aim, which is following your father's being like, it's very difficult. Yitzchak was following his father. He was that Jew that my father had this minhag, and that's what we're doing. We are not, I'm making a little joke now because I don't live this way, but it's for the conceptual idea. There are Jews that on Pesach, Will not eat certain foods. Garlic. They won't eat garlic. Why? I'm not talking about the regular. Everybody has their things. Why not garlic? Anybody have it? You heard about the no garlic, right? You heard. So why no garlic? Because in Europe, they used to use bread for fertilizer on the garlic patches. In the ground. I mean, in theory, so, that's basically where, where a lot of the stuff we don't eat on Pesach comes from. From things that were in the past. So some people don't eat goose liver. Goose. They don't eat goose. Why don't they eat goose? Because apparently when it came to goose... I'm Pesach, I'm talking about. Because apparently when it came to goose, they used to stuff... You ever hear the word stuff the goose? They used to stuff the goose with bread. Make it fatter. Yeah. So that's that's a problem, you know. Is it? Huh? Is it? I'm Pesach? Yeah. If you got bread there, yeah, you see the bread? I don't actually see it. No, no, they used to stuff. No, they stuffed it while this was alive to make, the, make it fatter when they shut the... I don't know. I don't have a, these customs. <laughs> then there's people who don't eat fish on Pesach. Because the bread. These are customs. People have customs. And so we have our customs. What do we do? What do we do? Because I'm Ashkenazi, so therefore I don't eat rice. Even though 
I don't know. I mean, I understand what the reason is, but okay. The customs, we're following that path of the family tradition. I want to read this Gemara to you about Yitzchak, because the Gemara says that it's in the schos of Yitzchak that Mashiach comes. Because Yitzchak is different. Again, remember, Avraham is that relationship husband and wife. You don't act good, then you're going to get divorced. You act good, then you're going to have a great marriage. Yitzchak is the one that no matter what the Jewish people do, he defends the Jews no matter what they do. So I just want to read you this. It's very interesting, Gemara. It's because he's like a little bit, I don't want to say unknown, but we spend our time a lot with Avram and Yaakov, Moshe. He only has one heart. Yeah. You want to pass it for anybody who wants? Good. We'll read it quickly. Like mainly Avram, like a little, yeah. little bit of Yitzchak. Yeah. Yeah. It's really Yitzchak. Even this week where it's for Yitzchak, right. it has to be to talk about Yaakov anyways. A hundred percent. We all see love. Okay, it's uh. Okay, do you see where the on the right side it's got that long line there from Art Scroll? The mm-hmm. in the middle it says the Osid Lovo. You see that? Everybody see it? If you want to see it, good. The Osid Lovo in the future, at the end of times, Yomer Loa Kodesh Li Avram. God is gonna go and tell Avram. Now I have to tell you, there's a lot of pro- a lot of questions that you could and should and will ask on this Gemara. And I don't know the Gemara well enough to answer the questions, because I have the same questions as you have, as you'll know, you'll see in a second. But I'm focusing on the section of, ya- of Yitzchak, okay? Just telling you now, I'm focusing on that section. So in the future, it says, God is going to say to Avram, God's going to say, uh, Your children have sinned against me. That's not good. God is upset. The Jews have sinned. So Amalafonov, Avram is going to say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yibano Shalom, Yimacho HaKadosh Shemacha. So I'll kill them. They did what's wrong. So there's a thing called a punishment. I told you, Avram is the believer in the relationship of like a husband and wife. If the Jews are, didn't, are not living up to the way they, sh- they should, then punish them, kill them. Now again, it's a hard question because Avram is always the chesed. How could be Avram like that? That's for another time. How could Avram be talking like this? But that's what he says. Okay, next. Amar, emlele Yaakov. So then Hashem is not happy with that answer. So he says, let's go to Yaakov. Why? Why Yaakov? This is at a time period when the Jewish people are acting inappropriately. Okay? So Hashem says to Avraham, your kids are bad. They're acting up. Hashem says, I mean, Avraham says, okay, Hashem, listen. You know, take out the belt. You know, they acted wrong. Punish them. Hashem says, is not happy with that. That's not what Hashem wants to hear. So he goes to Yaakov. Why? Because the Havilei Tzar Gidl bought him because he had a hard time with his kids. Think about it. 
his kids went and sold the other brother, right, to slavery. I mean, like that's you want to talk about having aggravation from your kids? Have your kid take your son, God forbid, and sell him to a Somali pirate someplace. I mean, that's that's what happened. He had a lot of tsar. He had other tsar. He had a daughter who was raped. He he had he had his moments. So he said, "Efshad the boy Rachmielayo." And as Shem said, maybe maybe Yaakov uh, will be able to 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 pray and you know to to make things better. Amalei, so Hashem goes to Yaakov and he says, your kids, the Jewish people, they sinned. So Amalefonov, so Yaakov says, you know what? Shalom, Master Universe, Yemachal Kedusha Shemecha, let them be killed. It's a Kiddush Hashem. If they do what's wrong, then it's a Kiddush Hashem for them to be killed. There is right and there is wrong on this earth. And if you're doing what's wrong, both Avraham and Yaakov are saying, then you should be punished. And that is the sanctification of God's name. Because if God says that you should not have bestiality, then you should be punished for that. Whatever it is, you know what I mean? If you're stealing, then that you, okay. So the Gemara says, Amar lo He said, Hashem says, neither by the elders nor by the youth is there really what I want to hear, Hashem is saying, I'm not happy with what Avraham's saying. He's the eldest, right? Because he said, punish the Jews. And I'm not happy with what Yaakov is saying, because he's saying, punish the Jews. Now, you could always say, so then why is Hashem even listening? I told you, this Gemara is loaded with questions, but that's not the point. The point is where we're up to now. Amalo the Yitzchak. So Hashem says to Yitzchak, the same words, your children have sinned against me. Listen to what Yitzchak says. Amr Lefanov, Yitzchak says, Master of the universe, what, they're my kids and not your kids? And that's what are you doing? You're saying that your kids have, you know, like, uh, you know, the mother said, the father says to the mother, your kids are making all the trouble. Or the teacher says, you're whatever. What are you telling me? Your kids. I mean, what, what are you saying? It's my kids. It's your kids just as much. You know, that's what Yaakov, go, I'm sorry, Yitzchak gives it right back. Because at the end of the day, this relationship can never be severed. Remember that. It can never, ever, ever be severed. And then he goes on over here. Because when they said, you called them my firstborn children. In other words, when they were doing what's right, you called them, the Jewish people, my children. So now, and now, so they're screwing up, so you're not going to accept them as your children? That's wrong. If they're your children, they're your children. That's what Yaakov says. Yitzchak says, and he says, listen, this is, this is such a good line. He says, I mean, how much did the Jews sin already? Like, how bad could they be already? This is what Yitzchak is saying. He says, listen, How long does a person live already? The average person, Shivam Shona, lives for 70 years. Okay? So he says, first, Yitzchak has a whole whole deal here to prove that the Jewish people are good people. He starts by saying, first of all, First of all, take off 20 years. 
because for the first 20 years, you're considered a youngster, and therefore in the Bezdin, in a court of law, you're not killed. Yet 13 years old, you're obligated as an adult. But until 20, you're not killed in a court of law. So it's some level of, of innocence in some way. So take the 70 years, take off 20 years, right? So you have 50 years that you could be doing bad things, okay? Poshulam chamishim. So now you got 50 years left, okay? That every Jewish, the average person got 50 years to mess up in his life. Dal esrim chamisha delelusa. Now take off 25 years of the night because you're sleeping. Okay, so because half of the time you're sleeping at night, right? These are sleep twelve hours a day. I don't know what they were doing, but that's what it seems like. They're telling me, you know, that they had no electric bulbs. I don't know. It says take off 20, 25 years of the fifty. Okay, pashulu So what do you got left? You got twenty five years of making trouble. Okay, is everybody with me so far? Then he says dal upalga. Now you got to take off twelve and a half years of the twenty five that was left because of the time that you're eating, davening, and going to the bathroom, okay? So now all you got now is from the, your whole life, you got 15 years of being able to make, I mean, 12 and a half years of being able to make trouble, okay? So he says, Yitzchak says, listen, <coughs> if you're willing to let it go, like just, the, you know, let them, they sin for 12 years, let it go, fine. And if not, I'll take 50%, God, you take 50% of the seven and a half, of the 12 and a half years of Averas that the people could do. That's what he was saying. And it obviously works. But I, this is amazing Gemara. It's amazing Gemara. He looks at the Jewish person and is saying, they're not so bad. In the bathroom half of the day. <laughs> That's what he says. I mean, literally, that's what he says. Half of your time, you know, that you're awake. You're either eating, bathrooming. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because that, that's the relation of Yitzchak. That you are who you are. I was going to do another Gemara. I was going to do the Keeper of the Anchor. It's so sweet. This one story about this one person and what he did. And it's really nice. It's five minutes long, but... It is 5 of 11, so it's up to you. You got five minutes, everybody? Yes. Five minutes? Yes. This is a book. It's called Seder Hadoros. It's a history from the beginning of Adam HaRishon. It goes through Gilgulim. It goes through all sorts of really cool things. You want to pass it around, you could. And it goes up until the Middle Ages with every great rabbi of the time and stories about each person that there is. It's, it's fascinating. It's a, lot, a little bit Kabbalistic, but it's really interesting. So in this week's parsha, it says that Esau um, had special clothes that he used to wear when he would meet his father, um, Yitzchak. He would put on special clothing. That's what Pasek says. So you see from that, that you know how many of us I mean, I'll do differently. Is there anybody here that has special mommy-daddy clothes? I don't think so. You know? He used to wear special clothes to greet the mother and greet the father. The more speaks that. He had his level of kibra vein was just absolutely incredible. 
So I'm going to read you the story. There was uh, an Amor, I think he was an Amora, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hilen. I think he's, I think he's one of the authors of the Gemara. Okay? So I'm going to read it to you. We'll read it quickly, and we'll get the picture. Rabbi Yeshua ben Elaine, it's a, I have a little checker on the check on the bottom, on the right side, the last paragraph. So about him, he saw in a dream, and he was Sameach, this is what he saw in the dream. Sameach bilvavecha, you should be really happy. Yeshua ben Elaine, you should be happy. Sha'ata v'nanis ha'kotza, because you and Nanis the butcher, Moshava u'moshavecha b'gan Eden, you're both going to be in Gan Eden, v'chelka v'chelka chashavim ke'echad, and you both get you both get the same reward. You, this great Talmudic leader of the Jewish people, okay, Yeshua ben Elaine, and Nanis, he doesn't even have a family name, he just knows Nanis, Nanis the butcher, okay? And the guy on Main Street, tick for the butcher. You know what I mean? That, that's what it means. So, Kishinir Rabbi Yeshua, when Rabbi Yeshua woke up, he woke up and he said, Oh my God. For the time I was born, I, I was mamish working on my. Fear of God, below Almalti Elabitara. All I did, I didn't take a job, I didn't do anything, all I did was learn Torah. Below Halakti Almus, below Tzitzis or Tfilin. I didn't go four, I didn't go eight feet without wearing Tzitzis or Tfilin. Okay? Vahoyuli Pei Talmidim, I had 80 students. Okay? And now, Vahakshav Shekoni Masai Vitarasi Imakotsov. Now, what they did in Shamayim was they put me in the exact same heavenly place as the butcher. That doesn't sound so good. You got the point here? Nanis is upset. He spent his whole life becoming this great, great tzaddik, and now he finds out that his future, Olam Haba, is together, exactly together the same with Nanis the butcher. Butchers, by the way, historically were always known not to be the best of people. And they also had a problem very often with being honest because you're dealing with a lot of weights, scales. I told you one time, I used to, my father was a, a chef, and then he became a butcher when he couldn't chef anymore, you know. So when he wasn't, held, when he was ill or when he went on vacation, I used to take over. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning because it was one of those type of jobs. And uh, I see them putting water into the chopped meat bags. And I said, Henry, that was the, the, the head butcher, I said, Henry, what are you doing? He looks at me like I'm an idiot. He says to me, everybody knows that you have to put water into chopped meat. No, no, what you're doing is tampering with the weights. That's what you're doing. Because when you put water into chopped meat and then you put it in the freezer, nobody's going to know. That's what that is. Okay, so it's an old thing that they have anyway. So, Sholach Tamidah. So he sends a message to his students. I gotta tell you, I'm not going into the base Medrash. I gotta know who this guy is. I gotta know who this person is. This is my whole Olam Haba. I don't know who he is. 
I wonder who he is. And what does he do that he that we're both in Ganeidim together? So they went from one city to another city, him and his students. They eventually found the city where this guy Nanis was. So when he, they finally came to this town with Nanis, this going to take three more minutes, three more minutes. So they find this place. So the, he, they, he asked the people, where do I find him? Amrulo. So the people said to this Rabbi Yoshua Benilim, Lama Tamavakesha, so what do you need Nanis for? Ata Chosi Vitsadik. You're Chosi Vitsadik. Vitisha Ish Kamo, you're asking about the butcher? Amrulam Mamaso, he says, what does this guy do? Amrulo, Adonenu, Lotisha Mimenu Kulum, don't ask us any questions. Achatira Oso Mia, you gotta see this guy. When you see this guy, you know, you're going to stop asking all these questions. You're like this high-level Lahavdil, Harvard professor, dealing with a truck driver. So they, see, they sent a message to bring him. And they said, Rabbi Shuban Elam Shol Oscha. Rabbi Shuban Elam would like to meet you. So Nanas said to himself, who uh, who am I? I don't come from such an illustrious family. That this rabbi wants me. Amrulo, he said, He says, I'm not coming. Because he thought that everything they, they were asking was to make fun of him. They were just, you know, he thought that this Nanis butcher thought that everybody's poking fun and saying that the big rabbi's coming to see him. Because it's retarded for, I'm sorry, I can't use the word retarded. It's mentally challenging to think that anybody was going to come and visit him. Okay. I'll skip. Okay, so now not, the Rabbi Shubin Elaine says, Tehdu, you got to know, Shalom Eshev Ad Shira Oso. He said, I am not going to even sit down until I meet this Nanis. I got to know who I'm, what this is. So he goes himself. Rabbi Yeshua ben Elam goes himself. And when when they meet, Nanis bows down to him. And he skips, I'm going to skip a line, Amalei Adoni. And he says to the Rav, Kotsavani, I'm just a plain butcher. Listen to these words. I have an elderly mother and elderly father. They can't stand on their feet. They're broken. They're physically broken. They're old people. They can't stand. And every day, I get them dressed. And I give them food. And I wash their bodies with my hands. So when Rabbi Yeshua ben Elam heard this, that this person every day feeds his mother and father, clothes his mother and father, 
washes his mother and father. Miyad Omad, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua got up, Venoshko Aroso, and he kissed this nanis on his head. And he said, Bini, Ashrecha, happy should you be, Ashre go alecha, and happy is your 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 what you what what you're being blessed in the world to come. Matov Umanoyam, it's gonna be really good for you. Ba'ashre Chelki, and how happy I am, Shezachisi, that I married Leos Chabercha Beganeden, that I should be your friend in Ganeden. Understand what that is. It's unbelievable. To be able to take care of your parents, it's not easy. It's not easy. Anybody who has parents who've gotten older knows that it's not an easy thing. Sometimes parents even get difficult when they get older. And it's hard to believe that, uh, that uh, when you get older, you're not as chip as you were when you were young. But they get that. Way. So that's Nanis. Nanis, who, sound, who looked, because we don't know what's going on. Everything in the world, the way we see the world, we don't know the truth. Do we know what people do? This nonist looked like a plain butcher who just cut meat all day. But really, in Shemayim, he was being held on the highest of high level because of how he was taking care of his parents. So we have to treat people properly because we don't know. We don't know. Okay, we'll stop here. I'm sorry it went over, but it's not this. Isn't that a crazy stuff?